0: The first scripture reading this evening comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4 and 11 through 14. Listen now for God's word to you. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. This is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. Our second scripture reading tonight comes from the New Testament in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 14 and 34 through 35. Listen now for God's word to you. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean, and you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And so for this reason he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Tonight, we've gathered to remember Jesus' last meal with his friends. A few Sundays ago, Jenny asked us what love smells like. A pound of nard smells like a lot of love. Tonight, we see what love looks like in a full basin of water and a towel. The story starts in Exodus at Passover, when God called together a particular people to be God's own. And in that calling, God freed God's people from their oppressors. After years of watching Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, and it was on recently, we forget how horrifying it must have been. Water turning to blood, frogs and lice, hail and fire, And finally, the unimaginable, the death of every firstborn son in Egypt. But to God's people, God offers protection from the angel of death. Sacrifice a lamb, eat it quickly, and anoint your doorpost with lamb's blood. For me, it is unimaginable to wait for the death of your firstborn son, begging God to spare your child maybe feeling awe at God's power to protect, and awe tinged with dread at the horror of what may happen to an Egyptian son, maybe tear-streaked faces at dawn realizing their son was spared, or not. It wasn't a pretty or an easy liberation. And so it is no coincidence that on Monday Thursday, we remember the Passover in Egypt as well as Jesus' last evening meal with friends. Jesus is about to liberate his followers, his friends, indeed the entire world for as long as time exists, and it won't be a pretty liberation. There will be horrors and blood and tears as their rabbi and friend, beloved son, brother, friend, dies an excruciating death on a Roman cross. Now, Christian tradition invests Jesus with prophetic insight. But even without it, Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus publicly healed and prophesied. Jesus, always the target of the rule followers, healing on the Sabbath, eating with the wrong people, and neglecting to instruct the disciples to wash their hands before eating. And next, in a quick series of events, we sense the end is near. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus mocking the triumphal processions of Rome. Jesus causing a public disturbance in the midst of crowds of pilgrims at the temple. In full view of Roman legionnaires... Roman governors didn't tolerate that kind of rabble-rousing, and certainly not amongst a Passover crowd in Jerusalem there to celebrate and remember deliverance from oppressors. Jesus knew what happened to those who offended Rome. Now, because this story is in John, we can't go any farther without remembering the significance of numbers. As you may know... The number seven is the most important and symbolic number in the Hebrew Bible. In narrative, God created the world in six days. Upon completion, God rested on the seventh. In rituals, Shabbat is every single day, every seven days. In rites, boys are circumcised on the seventh day. The number seven is a sign of wholeness and perfection and completion. The early Jesus followers who heard John's gospel would have known to listen closely as the reader started chapter 13. For 12 chapters of John's gospel, hearers listened closely for signs that reveal who Jesus really is. They hear Jesus disclose again and again who he really is, Uniquely God's agent in the world, the Son sent from the Father, the one who speaks words from God and does the work of God, the one with power to give life. When we get to the seventh sign, we are poised to see what John has been pointing to. What we see is Jesus off to supper, assembling those with whom he had traveled two who would betray him and others who would hide. Jesus knew his hour had come. And knowing the end was near, I wonder, did he remember calling his first friends, Andrew and Peter? Looking at the wine, did he remember making his own at Cana? Did he smile, remembering the woman from Samaria who wanted his living water so she would never have to go to the well again. Did he wonder about the woman who is not stoned? Did the chatter and the laughter of his friends comfort or anger him? I wonder. And then they all settle in to eat, and Jesus pauses, seeing that an essential element of hospitality had been forgotten. He gets up from the table takes off his robe and ties a towel around his waist. You see, a very important task had not been done. When someone arrived for a meal, their feet and all that was on their feet needed to be washed. Now, these are not just dusty feet. Ancient streets were also a dumping ground for what the Apostle Paul called scubalon. Any refuse that is worthless or detestable, including rubbish, dregs, slop, sweepings, and animal excrement. Imagine these feet, the sight and the smell. Jesus rises from the table, fills a basin with water, and walks toward the table with it, where he kneels, and unties the first disciple's sandals gently removes the shoes and places their feet into the cool water Jesus tenderly wipes them softly rubs the heel and then the arch and the ball of the foot and between the toes carefully around the ankles ankles get dusty and dirty too then Jesus reaches for the towel and gently dries each foot maybe the water becomes so dirty that he needs to pour it out refill the basin and start all over again Jesus on hands and knees the son of God on hands and knees eventually Jesus comes to Judas whom we are told has sold Jesus for silver and Jesus already knows it I imagine Jesus washed his feet just as tenderly as he did the others. Jesus washing and drying, tying and untying. Jesus washing 12 pairs of dirty feet. Washing feet, so simple, so mundane, and yet vital and humble and full of love. In my imagination, I see Jesus standing at the basin of dirty water, holding on to that dirty, smelly towel, saying, I give you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples The book of John was written that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Throughout John, we have marked each sign. We have waited expectantly for a word or action that will show us that Jesus is truly the Messiah. And yet, here we are with Jesus on his hands and feet, with a towel around his waist, leaving us with a new commandment, wash someone's feet. And this is clearly a commandment. It's not a choice. So what does it mean to wash someone's feet in our own time? What can we do every day to wash the scuba on of others' feet? I think it is the act of caring for someone's body, food, shelter, and health. I think it's the act of caring for the substance of someone's spirit. I see you. I hear you. Beloved child of God. I think it is the act of acknowledging each person as someone who dreams, desires, hopes, and lives, especially those whom we do not understand, those whom we do not particularly like those who seem to be the antithesis of who we are. Is anyone in your mind's eye? See them. Love them. Tenderly care for them. Do this in remembrance of me. Maybe we should include a basin of baptismal waters and a towel at the table to remind us every week to restore people's humanity and honor, to truly see the image of God of everyone we meet, to work for and see God's kingdom come, to see someone fully cared for, attended to, and transformed, to see God fully present. Dan and I came here from Richmond, Virginia. While I was in seminary, we explored churches and denominations where our friends attended or spoke well of. We had some favorites, to be sure, and one church we found ourselves in with some regularity was First Baptist Church of Richmond. Their senior pastor, Jim Somerville, who's also very active at Union Seminary, had a license plate that read, K-O-G-2-R-V-A, bring the kingdom of God to Richmond. That's the mission of First Baptist Richmond. There is a school, Fox Elementary. It's situated in a diverse Richmond neighborhood and serves a diverse population. Several months ago, the beloved Fox Elementary School building burned to the ground. It was on a Saturday, so no one was hurt, but emotions ran high. Tears of loss, and lots of them were shed. The big questions were, where will we go? And can we all go together? A church not too far from Fox, First Baptist Richmond, raised their hand. They scrubbed, cleaned, prepped, and welcomed every classroom, K through third grade, into their campus. The congregation left love notes of welcome for the teachers and the children and the parents. Tears of joy, and lots of them, were shed. First Baptist Richmond cared for the bodies of the children, the families, and the teachers of Fox. They cared for their spirits. First Baptist saw every person at Fox as a beloved child of God, a child who dreams and hopes and desires and lives. First Baptist obeyed the commandment to touch someone else, to care for the fullness of their lives. Do this in remembrance of me. Tonight, we will remember Jesus and his friends as if we were there. Jesus, surrounded by brothers who argued who should be first, another who would deny him, another who would betray him, and others we know nothing about other than they belonged to him. Jesus knew what was coming. He could have eaten a last meal with those he loved and left for the garden to pray, but he didn't. He stayed with those he loved in all of their imperfections, cleansed and cared for them, forgave them, and broke bread. Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take, drink. This is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Love each other just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other, Scubalon, and all. Do this. Do this and remember. Do this in remembrance of me.